Our second lesson today comes from the Gospel according to Matthew. I'm reading a few verses from chapter 5. I'm beginning in the 17th verse, Matthew 5, 17. Some words from Jesus. Listen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. There is a TV show that continues to run during prime time each week. It's called Undercover Boss. Maybe you've seen it. Undercover Boss. This is another in the uh, reality TV show. You know, real people, not actors. Real people and This show has a corporate CEO uh, leaving his or her company headquarters, going incognito, gets himself or herself placed in various jobs in his own or her own company. The premise is to learn what really goes on in that corporate family. So, for example, the chief executive of a large restaurant chain shows up in a small town, checks into a, a hotel changes how he looks and goes to work taking orders or flipping burgers at one of his restaurants. Obviously, the CEO gains a bunch of perspective about how the restaurant operates and, maybe most importantly, learns about who's working in his company. Basically, undercover boss always discovers that some members of the corporate family do a great job, often enduring difficult circumstances, carrying on with a positive spirit that makes the company proud. And others, including managers, are also found out to be cruel, abusive of their power, giving the company a bad name, uh, destroying morale, and they are exposed. And the point of the whole enterprise is that no one knows it's the CEO who is there in that small operation, working in that restaurant. What's going on in your workplace? Better, how are you living out your faith where you find yourself every day? How might you better live out your Christian commitments, your faith, in your workplace? This is another of the subjects that came from you, the congregation, when I asked, give me some of what you would most like to hear about in a sermon. This is from that. Many of us want to know how we can live, how we can embody our faith in the often complex and confusing mix of circumstances of our work environments. And if Jesus showed up incognito at your workplace, what would Jesus find? 
Would your way of living and working impress him, do you think? Would he even recognize you as one of his disciples? Or would our failings be exposed? Or maybe our whole indifference toward faith be exposed? Or worse, would we be giving Christianity even a bad name? How well are we living out our weekdays as faithful followers of Jesus? Francis Chan, a well-known preacher, uh, describes too many people in too many churches when he says, we go to church, we mumble a few hymns, we pray a prayer or two, we sit passively or maybe distractedly or defensively when someone talks, and then we go home and move into the week and we do what we've always done. Now, I'm sure that none of you are like that, um, but maybe it's the person across the sanctuary from you or maybe better, the person who goes to that church around the corner from your house who leans in that direction, not us, maybe. Not too long ago, Newsweek magazine conducted a poll among people who claim to be religious. Newsweek asked them, when do you feel closest to God? When? When is it? And the choices were given in the poll. When you're praying alone? When you're out in nature? When you're in a worship service? When praying with others? When reading a sacred text? And the responses went like this. In answer to the question, when do you feel strongly connected to God? The responses were this. 40% said they felt closest to God when praying alone. 21% they said they felt closest to God when out in nature. Another 21% said they felt closest to God when they were in worship. 6% said they felt closest to God when praying with others. And 2% said they were closest to God when they were reading a sacred text. Now, if you've been doing the quick math there, you know that adds up to 90%. I guess that means the other 10% are still trying to decide. But here's the thing about this survey. There's no category for, I feel closest to God when actively living out my faith. There's no answer that says, I feel closest to God when I'm working in a soup kitchen, or when I'm serving God in the world, or when I'm doing the right thing at work. None of that is mentioned. Christian faith, see, is not intended to just be for certain moments. Christian faith is not just a set of beliefs. It intends to be a way of life a way of living. We're to live our faith every day, all through the week, even at work. And especially as we keep sorting out, how can we do this better? Live faithfully all through the week. Our words from Jesus come early in his familiar Sermon on the Mount, which begins in chapter 5 in Matthew. At the beginning of chapter 5, Jesus sees the crowds gathering, and it says there in verse 1, he sits down, And begins to teach them. And he speaks a bunch of words that are blessings. Blessings on the people. Blessed are the poor, he says. Theirs is the kingdom. 
Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. And then Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. And all these words intend to give people the foundation that they need. They're foundational words that are meant to support the people. Jesus affirms the people. Jesus showers them with love. Blessed are you. Blessings on you. You are light. You are salt. God blesses. Jesus blesses. God loves and accepts us right where we are. Take or take me as I am, as Ginger just said. This is the gospel. If you came here and it to, looking for it today, there it is. Yet God loves us far too much to leave us right where we are. Blessed, we're called to be a blessing. We are expected to live a certain way. We're called to be changed from where we are to all that we might become. So, in verse 17, the emphasis shifts in Jesus' discussion at the Sermon on the Mount. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Here is Jesus reminding us about the essence of faith. Blessed, so blessed, the call to be a blessing. Blessing about the kingdom of God emerging in the world. That's our purpose, all of us. Whenever we seek to live by faith, faithful living is always open to two very large problems. On one hand, when we know that we're blessed, when we know that we are covered in God's love, there's a tendency to just fall into laxity, to laxity. There's a tendency to receive and then make faith something simply cerebral, something introspective, something personal, something good for me. So loved and blessed by God, we sometimes feel that we don't have to do anything. God's love covers us. God's light shines upon us. God's waters of baptism claim us. God's spirit is for us. Everything is wonderful. There's a tendency to do nothing about it. Just receive it. That is the first danger of faithful living. And then on the other hand, when we know about God's love and God's blessings, when we get confident of that, when we feel full of that, we can also become self-righteous and overly moralistic. So filled with God's blessing, so sure of God, we become clearly legalistic that we're hard to live with even. We think we know what the answers are. We know what is right in so many situations. We become overly religious and not faithful. Those are often problems, dangers, when faith and blessings take root in our lives. But in verse 17 of chapter 5 in Matthew, Jesus is trying to show us uh, a way, a way beyond laxity and a way beyond indifference and a way also beyond arrogance and self-righteousness that can be obnoxious. 
so that we can really and truly live out our faith. Jesus has come, he says, not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Not to abolish the prophets, but to fulfill them. Not to throw them away, but to fulfill them. He came to fill it up, fill it full. He came to do it, do all that they were urging. He came to try to put it into practice. He came not to set the law and the prophets aside, but to set them on their feet, to give them some more force and insight. For I tell you that unless, he says, you, your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will not enter the kingdom. And whoever does and teaches will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus loves us so unconditionally. Jesus meets us right where we find ourselves today, blessing us and holding us. And Jesus also calls us and keeps calling us to a new way of life that's lived out every day in all we do, morning and evening, at home, at work, in all aspects of our lives. This is our calling. We're not to fall into laxity, thinking we have to do nothing or keep it just to ourselves. We are not to go flat out and become legalistic, self-righteous, arrogant, obnoxious in our faith. No, our lives are to fulfill, to fill it full, all that God intends for the world. Our lives are to be full of God's presence and full of God's intentions and full of God's promises where we actually embody and work for the kingdom of heaven in our lives, wherever we find ourselves, all through the week, in our jobs even. So how does it play out in your work life? How does this play out in your working world? Here's a way to think about this. In paragraph after paragraph, all through the Gospel of Matthew and all through the Gospel of Luke and all through the Gospel of Mark and all through the New Testament, in fact, we are continually called to be agents, agents of the kingdom, agents of God's purposes, following Jesus. The point is, you live, I live, we all live in a larger realm, God's realm, toward the kingdom of God. It's true. Jesus comes to embody, to fill full the kingdom life. And our lives are called to embody, to fill full the kingdom life. We're part of a larger realm, larger purposes that go far beyond my life, my family, your life, your family, my job, your job, our city, our world. We're part of something bigger. It's always about God and God's intended purposes. So maybe you're a teacher, and you have children or students who need to learn. They get your attention. They get your lesson plans. But what if you keep the bigger picture in mind, and what if you know that your work and those plans and their particular faces are all about moving more and more toward the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the things that matter most to God, like peace and healing, and light, and joy. 
and good things that God works for, that is your bigger realm, your larger picture for work. The lesson plans, the faces of your students, the details are important, but you are always approaching your work as an agent of the coming of God's reign in your daily work. You work for God's kingdom. Maybe you work in an office. You have duties that get your attention. You have projects pressing on you. But you're not just a worker there. You're not. You tend to those things, but you are part of God and God's work, fulfilling God's purposes with the world. And you keep that at the forefront of all you do. How do you treat people? What do you do when they make mistakes? What do you do when you make a mistake? These things matter. They can challenge us greatly. But we're not just workers in the office. None of us. We seek to serve God and God's larger purposes, promoting God's reign. That's our calling. Maybe you work for a large company. Maybe you are even working for the Commonwealth of Virginia with a detailed job description and lots of specifics about what you're supposed to do and policies that you're supposed to implement, plans. You go to work. You get a paycheck. But what defines you, really? Who do you serve finally? See, you belong to God. Your life intends to be about ministry. It says it on the back of the bulletin. It's for all of us. We are about the ministry of Jesus Christ, all of us, wherever we find ourselves. And that means promoting love and light and joy and peace right where we are all through the week, always. Doesn't that change how you think about what you do? Shouldn't that guide us through each week? Maybe you're a lawyer. Maybe you're a doctor. Maybe you're a senior manager. You got duties. You got cases. You got clients. You got patients. You got responsibilities. But what's the foundation of your life? What is it? Our lives belong to God. It's not only about satisfying the client or serving the customer or meeting the patient's needs. Our lives belong to God. We're part of a larger realm, and we are accountable there. That's what Jesus is reminding us in this passage. It's not about our degrees or our status in the workplace or even our jobs. The foundation of our lives is how blessed we are. Jesus says, you are blessed. And Jesus says, you're called to be a blessing. You're a blessing in how you treat people. Your blessing in how your actions and how all of our activities actually promote healing and hope, justice and joy, peace and possibility that ultimately point toward something far greater, the kingdom of God that is surely coming. Those who practice the precepts of the law and the prophets, all that Jesus came to fulfill, theirs is the kingdom, says Jesus. That matters. That is what matters. Those who are called great in the kingdom, they're the ones who practice love and kindness and generosity and justice and live with a purpose, a purpose of the kingdom of God. We're called to be a blessing in our daily life, in our work life. We seek to honor God and honor God's ways. We can't just go to work, can't just do our duties 
can't just tend to the details that are ours. We are agents for God's purposes, all of us, wherever we find ourselves, every day. It's always about honoring God and treating people well and ordering our days in ways that point to God's grander, glorious purposes. Our Christian journey is a journey. And we keep working at how do we serve God better day in and day out in ways that bring healing and wholeness. That's what discipleship means. That's our calling, and it matters. Regularly in my life, I have to, like many of you, take my clothes to the cleaners. I've been going to a cleaner near my house. So I go in with a bundle of shirts and drop them there and pick them up a few days later. They're on a hanger. There's a short, middle-aged lady who works in that cleaners. She's obviously not had an easy life. I suspect her face uh, reflects a lot more years than she's actually lived. She's missing some prominent teeth in her mouth. And she earns her hourly wage working at the cleaners amidst the steam and amidst the heat and amidst the chemicals. But this woman has a demeanor and an approach that really inspires. She always greets me by name. She conveys a joyous and cheerful mood every time I encounter her. And she always says, have a blessed day when you walk out. One day when no one was behind me and I was the only one in the store at the moment, I paused as I left the store and I said, you're always so joyful. You're always so generous. What makes you this way? And she looked at me and paused for a minute and she said with sincerity, honey, life is plenty hard and I know all about that. But God is good, and if I can be a blessing just a little bit, that's what I want to do. Faith and work, work and faith. Would we have the courage and the commitment, the conviction to try to live it out every day in all that we do? Would that we be agents of God's healing and hope and generosity, and joy, and justice, wherever we find ourselves, but particularly as we move through our workday world. May God show us that way, today and forever. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise to stand with you and seek to serve your purposes, that is a way toward life. We commit ourselves to that way, following Jesus. Amen.